0: really did
1: Guess what? It's the Powell to the People show where civility is always in style. And this is the first day you're with us. We're so excited about having you join us for Powell to the People. I'm Larry Powell, and this is a wonderful opportunity for us to bring civility back to society. You know, uh, as I've uh, looked around uh, the years, I wanted to share just a little bit with you. Uh, I've been Fresno County superintendent for a uh, number of years. I retired. I'm pastor at People's Church. I'm, a, I'm doing all kinds of unique things, a political analyst, uh, you name it. I'm on the Alan Autry Show, and I get an opportunity to talk about just about everything every Wednesday with Alan. And we have a great time together. He even put me in a movie, if you can imagine that. I played a pastor in uh, his movie. And I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm having the time of my life. A lot of really good things are happening, and this—guess what? This is January first, uh, New Year 2022, and you're joining us for the very first Powell to the People, where civility is always in style. And you know what? I get a chance to to talk about quite a few different things, but we're going to talk about religion. We're going to talk about politics. We're going to talk about communities. We're going to talk about sports, education, technology, you name it. And guess what? You just heard Mark Lowry, who has one of my favorite singers uh, with the Gaithers. Uh, He's a comedian, a singer, and and done some really good stuff. But uh, that song is some things never change. And what never changes is God never changes. And wow, how powerful that is. And uh, that's been an influence in my life for as long as I can remember, and uh, I'm just uh, thankful to having had uh, parents that loved me, helped me understand that faith was a key component of what was going to happen in my life. And uh, I wanted to share just a couple of things about me so that you know what's going on. Uh, Many of you know me, uh, having been in Fresno almost all of my life. I had polio in 1949, and I'll tell you what, it's one of the best things that ever happened to me. Because I don't limp up in my head, I only limp in my leg. And I got a chance in my career, 43 years in education, to talk to kids that nothing can keep you down. Do everything you can to be as successful as you can and don't worry about those things that are tough challenges because I'll tell you what, uh, there's a way around just about everything. Now, I don't run the 100-yard dash, but I can drive it, so who cares? And uh, I'm telling you what, we're going to talk about civility today today I've got a great guest that will be joining us in just a little bit, uh, Jim Cece, pastor, uh, who is just an amazing individual campus, Bible Church, been a longtime friend, and let me tell you, one of the bright guys in Fresno, and I love what he shares with his congregation, and we're going to talk about civility. We're going to talk about what does it mean? mean, What is civility? Um, Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Uh, Can it be misused? A whole lot of things about civility, but I think we've got to start off with In our country today, we've got to start liking each other even when we don't like what you believe. And for me as a Christian in particular, how do I ever share who I am in the Lord if I don't listen to other people and some of their points of view and we begin a dialogue, a discourse, a chance to talk about things that are important to to them as well as important to me. And I'm going to share what's important to me with you and we're going to have a good time with it. I wanted to just uh, give you a couple of things to think about. Uh, civility was really high in a premium back in the 1800s. Boy, I'll tell you what, uh, our country, when it was founded, civil life was an important part of life. And when you look back in the 1800s, when we first had our, our first presidents and uh, the succession about the next three or four presidents, civility was the way you were measured you were either civil or you weren't. Um, And you literally could be kicked out of everything in society if you weren't civil. It was a part of who you were. Uh, I I love what happened with that. Now, what's happened is over the course of time, we've seen from 1800 through the 1900s a slide in civility. So this lack of civility that we have in our society today is not something that happened all of a sudden, although it feels like all of a sudden because of streaming, because of all of the multimedia that's available to us. But um, the slide started uh, in the late 1800s into the 1900s, and it started a downhill slide. And I'll tell you what, one of the goals I have, at least for our area here, is we're going to try to get civility back in everything that we do. So that's the goal, and that's where we're trying to head to. And uh, I wanted to share a couple of uh, thoughts with you. Uh, just as we go along, Samuel Johnson, one of the old-time heroes of of uh, America, said this, when once the forms of civility are violated, there remains little hope of return to kindness and decency. Boy, are you feeling that today? We're having a, a crazy time where it seems like if you're not angry, nobody's going to listen to you. But you know, that's not true. <clears throat> We're going to find a way to make sure that everybody gets listened to. And when you listen to what the people have to say, it's kind of interesting. You might actually like some of the things and the positions that they take. Uh, Another interesting quote was this. The need for civility in society has never been more important. The foundation of kindness and civility begins in our homes. It's not surprising that our public discourse has declined in equal measure with the breakdown of the family. The family is the foundation for love and for maintaining spirituality. The family promotes an atmosphere where religious observance can flourish. There is indeed beauty all around when there's love at home. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of those, uh, those fortunate people. Mom and dad, I had polio in 1949. Mom and dad never let me use it as an excuse for not being able to do something. They clearly understood that my success was going to be dependent upon my not- relying on an excuse in life for not being successful. And so dad did one of those unique things that I think is very hard that mom didn't want to do but ended up doing. When I would fall at 15 months old after having learned to walk and then all of a sudden one day I couldn't because of polio, uh, dad said, let him get up by himself. And you know what? As a result, I've been able to do that for 72 more years in addition, because I didn't think that I needed somebody to help me up all the time. And what a what a wonderful gift of love that was from my family to give me the, the blessing of realizing that no matter whether I had polio or not, I could still be successful. I could still get up. They gave me such a sense of who I was and who I was in the Lord that it just made my day from that day forward. And I've had 72 plus years. I'm now 73 years old. 72-plus years after polio of just feeling like, wow, I have been blessed. And then Mom wanted to pick me up, but Dad said no, and Mom was listened to what he had to say. And uh, I know it was really hard on her because she's one of these that uh, everything about me she has loved from the beginning. I've been so blessed. Mom I don't think has missed any program I've ever been on, any sports activity. I wrestled in high school and college I had the opportunity to do all kinds of things uh, with student body president. I got to share with you what mom did for me that was absolutely fantastic. I ran for student body president McLean 1965 and uh, I got elected and uh, she was in the parking lot at McLean Stadium listening to the speech that she helped write. And it went something like, I promised to kiss all the babes' um, babies. Uh, I mean, she had us laughing. That whole stadium, 3,000 kids at the time, and it was only 10th and 11th and 12th grade. Uh, we were laughing, and she was listening to this thing. We, she went home after the speech, and it was really fun because I walked in and I said, Mom, I got elected student body president at McLean High School. And she gave me a big high five and a hug, and she took the dish towel and said Larry your turn i'll never forget the lesson i learned from that that when you have something spectacular happen to you don't let it change who you are stay who you are uh boy that was a great lesson in life i learned that you know uh, achieving something doesn't make you better than you are you celebrate the achievement but you it doesn't make you better than you are and i love that here's the dish towel your turn she did something really special for me with that and she you know the interesting thing she did that for all the kids dad had another thing about him that was absolutely spectacular he's no longer with us my mom at 97 still is but uh dad uh did all kinds of things for us but one of the things i remember most is he made us special and unique each one of us in the family there were four of us three boys and a girl and for me i was the oldest and nobody else could be the oldest the next one, Steve, was the second son of a second son. My dad was the second son, and so Steve became the second son of a second son and never had to worry about having a, a unique place. He had a unique place. I couldn't be the second son of a second son. Dad had this unique ability. Then my sister, the next one in line, was the only girl. Well, let me tell you, there were three boys and one girl, and we were clearly outnumbered. There was no doubt she was in charge. And then we have the youngest, and that's my brother Randy. And uh, Randy was the youngest, and nobody else could be the youngest in the family. So what happens really uniquely is this. Dad created for each one of us a unique position that nobody in the family could have except us. I learned very early I was important, and so were all of my siblings. You're listening to Good News with Larry Powell and the Powell to the People show where civility is always in style. This is KXEX, 1550 AM. Well, welcome back to Powell to the People, where civility is always in style. And, you know, I have as my first guest today a really wonderful individual who has been a good friend of mine for a long time, and it's uh, Doctor Tim Cece, who is absolutely a phenomenal pastor here in town. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned that uh, you know he's been uh, involved in in church ministry for an awful long time, but he has just a great sense of humor too, and I think a, a lot of folks who know him. Uh, get ready for the, the unique nuggets that he gives you, but they also get ready for the humor that he has. And so I want to introduce to you my friend, Jim Cece. Jim, uh, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Powell, Pastor Larry, dear friend. <laughs> I am so excited for you for this new program, but also to enter the new year with you. Oh, isn't it good?
1: January 1st, 2022. It's amazing.
0: You know, when the Jews celebrate Rosh Hashanah or the head of the year, they always cry out, Baruch Adonai Melaka Halam, Blessed be the Lord our God, King of the universe. And they end that time by saying, Baruch HaShem, Adonai, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Wow. And and it's a great way to remember because they see it as a time of reflecting, a time of rejoicing, yes. but also a time of repentance. Wow. And so that's
1: why I love New Year's. New Year's is fantastic. It's a and great time. What a great thing. Not only do you make... I don't call them resolutions. I call them perhapses. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, where'd you grow up? and uh, That's great. Well,
0: I was a premature baby. I I didn't have polio, but I was at the time in 1950 at a time when they thought babies would die. Yes. And so I was in an incubator for six weeks. Wow. They didn't even give me a name. Is that right? Uh, But God had a different plan. Yeah. In fact, I was at a Salvation Army hospital. And the nurses and doctors laid hands on my incubator and prayed for this four-pound, shriveled-up little boy (laughs) that God would save him for Christian service. Wow. Friend, Larry, I didn't know that until I'd been in the ministry for five years.
1: Is that right? And that
0: story came out then? That's when that came out. Wow. God has his hand on us. He incubated us before the foundation of the world. Yeah. So I'm blessed. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I uh, came to Christ when I was 21, standing in a gutter, 32nd Street, San Diego, California. Wow. On the day that I get out of the U.S. Navy active service. i just come back from Vietnam. I was on my way back to Santa Cruz County where I was raised yeah. and uh, never looked back.
1: Were you at the Naval Training Center? I was at the Naval Training Center. Yeah. Down you know, there. I wrestled down there one time. They had a big open <laughs> tournament at one time. Yeah. And I wrestled in the Naval Training Center, but a great place. So. You got out of the Navy.
0: Right? right. I wrestled down there, too, only this time with God. Yeah, I hear you. For all the time I was in the Navy, I wrestled with God. Wow. You know, Lord, if you're real, show me. Yeah. And boy, did he have to. <laughs> but I went back to Santa Cruz, began ministry in 1974. 74. 74. Wow. Uh, went on to seminary, I graduated from Talbot Theological Seminary. Yes. And after my college degree at San Jose State, one of our rivals here in yes. Fresno. And then I um went on to get my doctorate from Western Seminary and came to Fresno in nineteen ninety one wow. I often would say when I first got here it's not the end of the world, but you can see it from here. <laughs> I can't believe I moved from santa Cruz surf city u s a to Fresno, so I put a gun rack in my Volvo and i <laughs> you tried to become tried part of to us, fit huh? in if you will but <laughs> But uh, that's been, 30 years ago. Yeah, I've been serving here uh, first for five years as a pastor at large. Well, I started year in ministries of yes. training pastors. And then I came to Campus Bible Church, originally Campus Baptist Church. Right. In 1995. And wow. Uh, I, I love it. I love still it. love it. And so far, they've they've kept up. Well, they with me love and, you, too. I, I know that. So. I hope so. <laughs> and so. I know that. But they'll whisper in my ear someday and say, yeah. it's time to go out to pastor. We'll see yeah. when that is. <laughs>
1: Well, I'll tell you what, it's so exciting to have you here um, because you and I talk about civility a lot. We talk about, uh, you know, how important it is to get along with people, uh, and that doesn't mean that you don't give your message out. You're still going to say things that may somewhat irritate folks, but you can still be agreeable while you're, you know, uh, when you disagree, you can still be agreeable as people and still get along. And I know in America right now and in churches – churches get kind of a bad name. Uh, we get painted in some ways that I don't think are are completely fair because your church and my church at People's Church, we do a lot of really good things in the community and for the community, and we want to make sure people understand we're not just four walls sitting at a certain location and saying for, uh, you know, great information, come to us, uh, but we're saying we want to go out to you as well, and we do that, and uh, I, I just think that uh, civility is something that, as our listeners understand what it's all about, I, I think you can grab it and it can become a part of you, and you can understand we can disagree and still like each other, Amen. and we might learn something from each other as well. Amen.
0: And it actually has to go all the way back. Uh, the word civility comes out of the Latin civil, civilis, yes. and to be inciv- you know, to incivility comes out of incivilis, but it really means to either act or not act like a citizen.
1: Yes, yes. That's
0: the root of that. And I love, just a reminder, in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 20, where the apostle Paul tells believers in Christ that they are citizens of heaven. So I would submit to us today that when we act incivilly, yes. when we mistreat each other, not only are we breaking that great commandment to, not lo- to love one another, uh, but also we're not acting like citizens of heaven. Why?
1: That's and, powerful, and it is
0: powerful. Yes, that's my ultimate desire. That's what the Bible calls the better country. Yes, and uh, so, but we do the test here. I do it oh. now in our activity, our, our conversation, because we have a, I believe, a, a crisis, an epidemic of disrespect. Right. Uh, and I was born in the 50s and, of course, raised through that time when my mother would wash my mouth out with soap. I think today she'd be accused of child abuse, but it worked.
1: Yeah, and the kid probably would turn her in. Exactly, exactly, or just own his mother yes, or something. Yes, <laughs> Well, it's interesting when we think about it that uh, some of the what we considered at the time difficult things actually taught us civility mm-hmm. from our parents. Uh, you know, I didn't like being told you can't do this or you can't do that but uh, one of the things I did with our daughter which was kind of unique we had one daughter Dot and I did and uh, we had uh, two you know little uh, tables at the end of our couch and they had a little door on them and one table she could get into anytime she wants that was hers the other one she couldn't get into at all and we wanted her to learn limits so as she's growing up she had complete control over one table with a lamp on it and The doors would open. She could keep anything in there she wanted. The other table, she could never even open. I wanted her to understand that all of us in life have limits, but we also have areas of responsibility. So it was her responsibility to keep hers clean. She kept the doors closed. She could take things out, but she had to put them back, but learn that there were limits. And then when it came to dressing and getting ready for school, fortunately, Caitlin got up on her own from the very earliest. We never had to wake her up. It was one of those amazing blessings God gave us. But we would lay out a couple of different kinds of things to wear, one that was more like what she wanted, one that was more like what we wanted, but we were willing to live with either one mm-hmm. so that we didn't have this fight. We didn't just say, okay, Katie, go get something on, then come out and we'll tell you whether we like it or not. We gave her parameters within which to learn and as a result, she became a really good decision-maker mm-hmm. because she learned what was good, what was bad, what mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But we didn't set her off on her own to make those decisions. Correct. We gave her a safe environment to do that. Yeah. And great. so she grew up with this strong sense of uh, taking care of other people, of making good decisions. She's an amazing special ed administrator teacher now, has four kids, doing really well. She adopted two of them that had... Uh, meth mothers uh, she has this heart that is amazing and we saw that develop as we gave her rules but we gave her liberty at the same time Mm -hmm. and that was absolutely amazing what was it like for you when you were growing up
0: well i wasn't growing i didn't grow up in a christian home Um, my father had left my mother with six kids wow and so we pretty much ran the streets yeah um and she worked two jobs and just great respect for her she's now with the lord in heaven But I remember seeing blood on her hands and knuckles just from washing clothes so that she would put us through private schools. Wow. Uh, What an amazing lady. And raised six kids. Um, Eventually, uh, when I was 11, I moved to Santa Cruz to live with my father. Uh, Those were tumultuous years. Those were tough years. Sure. uh, Sure. For an 11-year-old to now live with a father that he didn't know and then to go through all that. And he died when I was 19. Wow. Um, so you had just a few years. So just him. a few years, and, yeah. and they were tough years. I think he didn't quite know how to be a father. I didn't quite know how to be a son. Sure. But in the midst of all of that, Larry, there was a high structure of requirement for manners. Mm. Uh, in the midst of the chaos, yes. there was still that sense. I was taught when a woman enters the room, you stand up. Right. I was taught you open the door for the woman. I was taught that you, you don't mouth off to mother. I was taught that. (laughs) Yes. In fact, when my daughters, I had three daughters, um, and when one of them talked back to her mother, she was about 17, I looked at her and said, don't you talk to my girlfriend that way. Oh, I love it. You know, and there's that sense to where I think we're in crisis today because I don't know that manners instruction is really happening. Right, right. I think sometimes we want people to be so free. Yes. Everybody doing that, which is right in his own eyes, uh the Book of no, Judges says, yeah. that I think that's why we've got some of the chaos that we're talking about today. Well,
1: and I don't see young folks standing up and giving their seats on buses or other no. places right. when an elderly person is Absolutely. standing. And right. it, it changes you and how you react when you do that, when you, you take care of somebody else. Yeah. Well, and, I told the story recently to my congregation
0: that um, I opened the door for a woman one day, And she said, I don't need your help. And I was so shocked. This giant door, I grabbed the door. It jammed my wedding ring up under my knuckle. I had to go to emergency. Uh, And so sometimes chivalry is costly. (laughs) But
1: it's still worth it. It's still really worth it, no doubt about that. Well, you know, it's interesting when we think about um, the lessons we learned in life and uh, how it seems so normal to us. We're going to continue this conversation I've got to tell you, Jim, it's so nice having you on board and uh, welcome to Powell to the people where civility is always in style. And we're going to continue the conversation right after the break. We're so glad you've joined us this first day of January 2022. People where civility is always in style, and uh, we're so excited you're listening to 1550 KXEX uh, Radio uh, AM. Uh, it's just so nice to be on radio and a chance to chat with folks and just share some insights that we have over the years that we've been together, Jim, and mm-hmm. some of the things that have happened in our lives. I wanted to share a couple of other quotes with you, folks. Um, one of the interesting things uh, that came out of Cullen Hightower, he said this. After our ages-long journey from savagery to civility, let's hope we haven't bought a round-trip ticket. (laughs) Boy, isn't that the truth, uh, that civility, we didn't become civil after being uh, a little bit out of it uh, and then we're heading back. But civility is not about dousing strongly held views. It's about making sure that people are willing to respect other perspectives. Uh, Jim Leach uh, I love what happens when we look at some of these famous quotes on civility. One last one, then Jim and I are going to resume our conversation. This was from John F. Kennedy. So let us begin anew remembering on both sides that civility is not a sign of weakness. Boy, I like that. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes you you think, uh, well, I'll just keep quiet and uh, not say anything. But civility and, and expressing your point of view is actually a healthy thing for you physically Health-wise, it's healthy for our community. It's healthy for families. Uh, I I think about the times that dad came home and was absolutely exhausted from work. But about 526 every day, I could sit out front, and I knew coming around the corner was going to be my father in his car, and we were about to have a good time. Uh, It didn't matter what was going on. My experience was never one of frustration. He never frustrated the kids. It was always one of love. It was care. Uh, dad was an amazing individual. He's been gone now for six years, but, uh, that 5:26 waiting for dad to come home was uh, a fantastic experience. And I realized how blessed we as a family were. Uh, I never saw mom and dad uh, ever argue with each other. I mean, they loved each other and it was very obvious. Now I'm sure they had disagreements, but it was out of my sight. I'll tell you one thing they did that gave me a good sense of life was going to be good. And that was, as I got older, um, and was gone. Dad and mom had a packed suitcase that was under their bed in case somebody called and wanted to go someplace. They could say, we're in. They grabbed the suitcase and they were off and running. So I learned some really good lessons, which I'll share with you folks over the years. But uh, I love what mom and dad did. They were a great example of what to be, how to care for people, care for the kids. Uh, It was a great, great time together. So I had a wonderful experience.
0: And, you know, our paths were so different.
1: Yes, yes. Some of your listeners
0: may know <clears throat> that my name, CC, is a made-up name. Yeah. My Italian name is Cicacci, spelled Cicacci. C-E-C-C-A-C-C-I. And so Ellis Island or whoever changed it so it could be pronounceable.
1: So you are one of those that that I am, actually happened
0: to. I, I am one of those. Wow. I think. Yes. We, who knows? I mean, family <laughs> history sometimes get distorted through the various cousins, right? Sure. But my other family name is Capone.
1: As Al- in Al Capone?
0: Al Capone was my second cousin. Wow. And so when we talk about civility, yes. it, was, it was Al Capone who said we'd get a lot more done with a kind word and a gun than a kind word. So even though my family wasn't connected to the mafia, we were influenced by that culture. Sure. My father was a womanizer. His father was a womanizer. And so we didn't have that family system. Wow. But... But the strain through all of that, if you will, the vein was respect. was respect. Mm-hmm. I love the Spanish culture where you see someone and they get close and you say, con permiso. Yes. You know, with with permission. Uh, I don't ignore your personhood. Yes. well, that's very much the Italian culture as well. I don't ignore you. I love it. You show respect. Yes. So even in the midst of the corruption, uh, but it's not that we had all this civility, you know, we, we were pretty intense about calling out people yes. as a family. But something in the midst of that, I think my mother's love for God was that vein that kept us, if you will, with some sense of civility. Uh, my brothers and I, my sisters and I are very polite people Wow! in the midst of that. Oh, we had our mouthy times. That's a requirement if you're Italian. Sure, but But <laughs> the truth is, there was that. So I say that even though our paths were different, right? There was still a cultural mandate that I think came out of a biblical mandate, influenced perhaps by ancestors who knew Christ. And so I say that because I there's hope. Yes, that I don't get to blame like you don't get to blame your polio. I don't get to blame you know that I've got Capone blood running through me. Sure. Therefore, I want you dead. You know, I get to
1: say. I've got the blood of Christ running wow. through
0: me. Wow.
1: I want you alive. Amazing story when you think about from Alcatraz to San Diego mm-hmm. and out of the Navy and really. God calling you. You, bet. you know, what what a, a unique opportunity to share with people that it doesn't matter where you came from, it's where you're going and what you do with your life with mm-hmm. the Lord. And, and um, I have
0: more in common with
1: you Yes. than I do the Capones.
0: Yeah. Because we're blood. Wow. So I think what our conversation is today. Is we're talking to people who are blood relatives, yes, yes, and and who care, absolutely. And I think that we can cry out once again for manners to prevail. I think we can cry out today for civility, as you say, to be important. I, I think we really can do this, and we shouldn't give up on a culture. We're told that the that the 2010s were the death of civility in yes. America. No, it's been dying from the beginning. Yes because there's sin in all of us. And so I wanna just be a part of a revival of respect.
1: I love what you're saying there, um, that civility in America is not dead, that we have an opportunity to really reinforce it. And for me, it starts with uh, my faith in the Lord, but also with what he did giving me a family. And and so many lessons that I learned from family that were very valuable, lessons I hope I passed on to my daughter, Mm And lessons I see her passing on to her kids, uh, she has four of them they're six, eight, uh twelve, and fourteen and you know when i when I go over to their house, they treat everybody who comes in with respect with joy they 're glad to see us i mean it's an amazing thing to see and and sure they have their times when they're a little wild and they're they're making a lot of noise, but it's never out of sorts. Um, Katie has done, and Brandon, my son-in-law, they've done an amazing job with their kids, and their kids respect everybody they come in contact with. It's, it's phenomenal to see that.
0: You know, I often travel to other countries. I've been in 30, 35 countries, and it uh, wasn't too long ago I was in Romania, which mm. is in a very Italian culture. Okay. Remember, that was the outpost of the, oh, uh, yes. the uh, Roman Empire. And so when they greet one another, they say pace, peace, ah. and then they kiss on both cheeks. I've often thought if we could just institute that in Congress. Wouldn't. <laughs> if you just greeted somebody across the aisle yes. and said, Pachi, peace. Oh, I love Some it. Some churches do that as well, but then kiss each other appropriately yeah. and say, in the midst of our
1: discourse and disagreement,
0: yes. you can't make me not
1: love you. Boy, that is really powerful. What a, a an amazing thing for us to think about uh, and a big challenge for us to get Congress to do that mm-hmm. because... Sometimes I think they get into a state of mind that they have to be angry for their base or whoever that is. True. And and it's really unfortunate because if you think back in, in history, uh, there were a lot of disagreements among politicians, but they went out to dinner together afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the dinner might have poison in it. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, there's an old saying that uh, Winston Churchill and Lady Astor, who had a lot of disagreements with each other... Uh, basically uh, said this. Um, if, um, she said to Winston, uh, if you were my husband, I'd poison the tea. And Winston said to her, if I were your husband, I'd drink it. <laughs> you know? So uh, I know there's been a lot of times when a, a lot of things have been said back and forth um, that weren't exactly the-, the best thing for us to be saying. But I think about people in my life that uh, disagree with me or I disagree with them and I like, and they like me. And how powerful it is for us even through the disagreements to see the humanity of each other, to offer um, my life as a Christian, their life as as whatever, whether they're a Christian or not a Christian. But we have times that we get to share with one another. And my eternal hope is always that someone comes to a knowledge of the Lord as a result of my being who I am in the Lord in front of them and not being phony, uh, trying to be real uh, in who we are. And, And oftentimes we... We find ourselves um, thinking we have to be a certain way that we don't have to be. You don't have to be other than who you are, and how powerful that is when we are who we are. Every two weeks, Larry, I meet with a group of uh,
0: pastors—four African American, a few of us uh, Caucasian—and and we get really honest with each other. Boy, that's good. As we wrestle through Black Lives Matter. We wrestled through masks, and we wrestled through the issues. Yes, um, you're staying indoors. You're staying outdoors. You know, and, and choosing to listen. Yes, with the principle that God gave us two ears and one mouth, so we would listen thing. twice as much yes. as we speak. And it has been such a blessing to me to be real. To say, okay, so here's what I'm really thinking. <laughs> here's what I really wrestle with with what you're saying or trying to say. Yes. And then to be able to say to those beloved brothers, I don't understand. I've never driven while black. Yes. You know, I've not spent a day as an African-American. I don't understand. Right. Don't expect me to understand. Just tell me what you're thinking so I can appreciate what you're thinking and saying. But I'll never truly understand the same way I'll never truly understand my wife. You know, there's only two ways to understand a woman. Nobody knows either of them. (laughs) (laughs) And she with me. That's the beauty of unity amidst diversity. Yes. And I think, you know, we've got to try to do this.
1: Well, you know, that's powerful, powerful, powerful stuff that understanding brings a lot of meaning to life. We're so glad that you're with us today on our first day with Welcome to Powell to the People. where civility is always in style. We're going to be right back with a concluding 12 minutes, how fast the time has gone. See you in a bit. That's right, folks, you're back at Powell with the People, Powell to the People, where civility is always in style, and we've been having a great time this morning on our very first show with Jim Cece, pastor, uh, who uh, is just a good friend of mine and uh, has just a a great perspective, and I thought, starting a new year off, Jim, you've got some uh, words that I think are really going to be valuable to us out of Philippians, uh, you know, and And it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not a Christian at this point. Uh, These words, I think, have some powerful meaning for you and uh, can touch your heart in a way that will make you a better person. So, Jim, why don't you share with us just a little bit of what you got on your mind?
0: You realize that recently a Republican congressman, that was an evangelical, and a Jewish Democrat, suggested that somehow we get a pact going on. Spent $30,000 to try to have a civility pledge in Congress. Wow. Only three people signed it, the two originators and one other. Because the truth of the matter is that civility is a heart condition. Yes. It's not a behavior. It's really not learning good manners for the sake of impressing people. You know, Jesus said, out of the heart of men proceed these things, the incivility and the civility, out of the heart. Well, Paul knew that. So here's the apostle Paul in jail, unjustly, had every right perhaps to write his congressman or senator, to appeal to Caesar, if you will, every right to write a blog of complaint.
1: Incivility. Basically just
0: being critical and drawing attention to himself and mercy toward him. Oh, how cruelly I've been treated. But he doesn't. Mm. He talks in Philippians about the joy of unity, the whole theme of the book, about rejoicing in the Lord, and then he adds a caveat, always. Hmm. I don't like that word always. <laughs> and I don't mind rejoicing in the Lord when I feel like when it. When it's going good. Yeah, again. but that word yep. always, just, you know, don't <laughs> throw that at me. But then in the fourth chapter, this very familiar passage in which he lays out a filter Now, I know filters. We're all talking about masks. I know filters. I've changed plenty of oil filters. I know filters. We say to one another when somebody's inappropriate, filter, muzzle it. Well, Paul says it this way. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, and if there's any excellence in anything worthy of praise, and then he says, dwell on these things. Another text in the Greek says, let your mind dwell on that. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ, yeah. which means that when we're in Christ and have trusted in him alone for our salvation, we can think the way Jesus thought. We can do what Jesus did. We have the heart to do that. We just choose to rebel against that Holy Spirit inside of us. So what's important about this is that every one of these attributes, eight of them, is a filter. Mm. And they're award-winning. Larry, I was um, in the U.S. Navy and went to Vietnam and uh, received some medals that are appropriate for Vietnam vets. But a couple of years ago, I'm 71 now. That's been 50 years ago. I received two more medals, of which I didn't know about. Apparently, Congress approved a couple more of these things, and, uh, and I use that just to talk recently to my congregation. And say, sometimes awards come later. Wow. Uh, if we think now that's that, powerful. Because if we act civilly, we think other people respond. Yes. They may not. Right. There are certain people that think that that's powerhousing, that, that somehow that's abusing my privilege mm. when I act civilly towards you, that I'm suppressing. And so you've got to get past that in the conversation and talk candidly with each other. And that's what yeah. Paul's saying. So if we have the grid that I want my speech to be award-winning, not the award from people, but from the one who we love and serve. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the standard. So thinking whatever is true and lovely and right and of good repute, if it's excellent, if it's worthy of praise, then say it. And if it's not, don't.
1: Wow. wow. You know what? Uh, that... That almost goes counter to what we 're seeing today, mm-hmm. and uh, I wish everybody could read Philippians four mm-hmm. <laughs> and get an opportunity to to concentrate because uh, once again it changes you individually inside mm-hmm. and how you respond to people because is it lovely and of good report and okay. excellence okay. if i 'm blasting somebody okay. it 's not uh, I, I can state my position in a way that does not put other people down because we've always, you know, kind of lived this life that uh, for me to go up, somebody else has to go down. And how untrue that is, especially among believers and folks who love the Lord, the the exact opposite. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. And it's a Janusian philosophy, reconciliation of opposites. Uh, And the opposite thing actually works, you know, to live is die and die is to live. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's a whole different kind of thing. And it's a, a reframing how we think and I really hope that our our listeners uh, will share with folks uh, not only that we're going to be on Facebook and we're uh, other streaming mechanisms, but today's you know session together I think has been really powerful to to talk about civility that we don't use civility as a club to keep you from doing something. We use civility because it's the right thing for us, and uh, and we don't club somebody over the head. Well, you're not being civil. So I don't have to be civil. Um, I'm civil no matter what you do, you know, and I think uh, if we started doing that, can you imagine what our city uh, council meetings would be like, what uh, some of our Congress meetings would be like uh, if we started talking to each other like we uh, we disagree, but actually like each other? We, we get along. That would be amazing.
0: And I think we also in this season need to put a moratorium on profanity. Boy, true. Um, You know, I, I talked not too long ago to my congregation about the fact that Proverbs 11 talks about snot running over a pig's snout over the gold ring that's there is the person that lacks ta'am in Hebrew, discretion. Discretion, yeah. You know, and yet you go and you see the red carpet and these people are dressed up in $5,000 outfits, and the moment they open their mouth, all I visualize is snot. Yeah that's the image over, the, gold over ring. the golden dress and the yeah. golden tux and <laughs> wow. you know and i think we've got to keep in mind that this is not a new problem right it's it's an age old problem and we will battle it until the day we die absolutely and, and but it's a winnable battle i agree that there is no temptation as such that is common to all of us that god remember him mm-hmm. that god doesn't provide the way of escape and so i can civil yes i may have to learn i may have to somehow learn how to retract or muzzle it if you will david said set a guard O lord over my mouth yes keep watch over the door of my lips psalm 141 in other words lord put a giant angel with a war club right next to me (laughs) and the moment i start to think about saying something that doesn't represent philippians 4 8 then let the club fly yeah
1: you know i have a saying that uh... A word once spoken can't be retrieved, and even though forgiven, is not easily for- forgotten. Mm-hmm. So guard your words. Okay. And one of the things that I I try to teach the grandkids is that you can't get that word back once it's out. Mm-hmm. And even though they do forgive you for it, uh, it just lingers. Mm-hmm. And, and and if they're really negative words, right. they just hang on and on. And I and I you know whenever I uh, speak to the public and do uh, different talks, it's interesting how many times I'll ask this question. How many of you remember something that a teacher or someone important in your life, your parents said to you that made you feel less than you should be? Amen. And you know what? Universally, hands go up throughout the entire room mm-hmm. because everybody seems to have had that. So right. uh, we have to guard our words. And if we're going to be a civil society, it's really important. And, right. and for me, not only as a believer, as uh, loving the Lord, uh, but freedom In our country is dependent upon us being civil to one another. Um, I I love what uh, Nelson Mandela said. He said, freedom without civility, freedom without the ability to live in peace, was not true freedom at all. Boy, if you don't have civility, you don't have freedom. Uh, Do
0: you remember what the Apostle Paul also said when he's still in that same prison, that house arrest, and writes another epistle? uh, And that was the is of Ephesians, mm. in which he says in chapter 4, he says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. The, the word "sapras" is the word for manure.
1: Gotcha.
0: Let no, in fact, it's actually the word for when maggots would get on the tunic of the high priest as he's sacrificing the bulls in the wow. heat of the Mideastern sun. Yeah. I mean, imagine the image. And he says, Let no unwholesome word, putrid, foul-smelling, maggot-infested word perceived from your mouth. Then he describes it. He said, but only such a word as is good for edification. So you ask yourself, will it build the person up? Yes. That's according to the need of the moment. Secondly, is it timely? Do I have to say it now? Because I don't always have to say what I want to say. Exactly. Sometimes I have the privilege of not saying what I want to say. And then he says that it gives grace to those that hear. Wow. That it's a grace gift. So does it build up? Is it timely? And is it a gift? Because if it's not, it's a putrid, foul-smelling (laughs) word in the mouth of a holy God. Wow. Ephesians 4, 25 and
1: 5. Boy, if that doesn't uh, summarize basically why civility is important, that what we say has a powerful impact on everybody around us, but uh, it, it just puts people down or it builds them up. And uh, I, I've always said that I haven't done my job for the day if you don't feel better about yourself after I've been around you mm-hmm. because I represent someone. I represent the king, you know, <laughs> and it's important that we do this. You know what? Folks, it's uh, been such a nice time to spend the last hour with you, Uh, January first, 2022, the first day of the new year, and talking about how in the world we can actually get along with each other, disagree, and still like each other, still be friends, maybe go out to dinner together. But, boy, families, talk to your kids. Tell them it's important that you treat each other with respect. It's important that you... You know, find a way to get along in these crazy times. I'm so glad you've joined us at Powell to the People, where civility is always in style. This has been 1550 AM KXEX. Thank you so much. We will see you Sunday at 6 o'clock.